Hello and welcome back to another episode of Third Times a Charm, the show that takes an in-depth look at the third installment of a franchise. This is episode 77, Scream 3 from the year 2000. A lot of people here in the room tonight, so let's get it going. First and foremost, I suppose, back again. This is the fourth in a row, Dan, um, but we're going to be getting back to our show soon enough from my co-host of the monsters that made us dan cologne welcome back to the show hey mike uh fourth time's a charm right that's your other show uh also joining me you haven't been here for a while my unofficial co-host brian late night rodriguez welcome back brian thank you for having me again thank you for remembering me this time yes well we're gonna need your scream expertise being the high school slumber party i don't have much of it but i'll help right well it'll (laughs) nevertheless and last but certainly not least, joining me, it feels like it's been a minute. We've done some crossover episodes with Too Fast, Too Forever, but he and I also host the main event, The Cage Club, which we've recently done a new episode for, and also Viva Pod Vegas, which we've recently done a new episode for. I foreshadow, I might be referencing Tickle Me tonight. Welcome back, Joey Lewandowski. Well, I'm curious how you're going to do that. I'm very excited to hear more about Tickle Me. Yeah, it, it was. It surprised me too, but I think you'll get the reference once we once we venture there. Thank you all for coming here. I didn't expect such a big episode. You know, I feel like everybody has their place to be here. Brian, as I mentioned, you've covered this on High School Slumber Party. This is the Halloween episode for my show, and I said at some point that I wanted to cover Scream with you involved. Dan, you know, we're on this hiatus streak over here from Monsters That Made Us, so like it just felt natural to invite you back. And Joey, I noticed that you had recently watched all the Scream movies, yep. so I reached out to you with this fresh perspective. I also re- recently rewatched all the Scream movies, so this should be fun. I'm not quite sure where to start. I think I'd like to start with Joey, since you recently watched all of them. Was this for the first time? No, I'd seen one through four like a decade ago. Like, actually, compared to another show, one of the very few that you did not mention that we do together, but Cruise Club, when I first watched the sequels to the Scream movie, I alternated the nights with the sequels to the Mission Impossible movie. So I watched two, three, and four of each of those over the course of a week, just like, oh, there's three of each of these, and I liked all of them for the most part. But no, I had never seen five or six because I had wanted to, like there's another podcast, not on our network, Blasphemous, with Gorley and Russ, which I love, and they covered the screen movies. And so I wanted to catch up to that series of their show before I started this. And then I realized I was never going to get there. And so I just wound up watching them and listening to that season. So I watched, rewatched one through four and then watched five and six for the first time. Were you a Scream fan when the original dropped? What, in 96 when I was eight years old? Have yes. you listened to 1999, the podcast? Yes. I saw like no movies in the 90s. No, I was not a Scream fan. I didn't see the first Scream until like probably 2007, 2008 ish. Okay. All right. My bad. No, I'm a child. Mike, you're, I'm not old like you. Whoa. Okay. Well, <laughs> Brian, Al, let's shift it to you. What is your history with the Scream series? Have you seen them all? Have you seen them recently? I have not seen them all. I've seen them least by far of any people here. I saw the first one for the podcast, and wow. that's it. So you saw one in three? You jumped right to I three? haven't even seen three. I didn't prepare to. No, I'm kidding. I saw three. <laughs> <laughs> I did jump from one to three, but I Wikipedia'd all of them on my initial research. Well, not all of them. I didn't Wikipedia the two most recent. The rest I have, I'm familiar with what happens in the plots. I was excited to see this one. I'm probably the least expert, scream expert here. Which ones have you covered on your show? Just the first one? Just number one, because number two is college, right? Yeah, but they go back and like part four goes back to high school. And then five is also high school, but then six is not. Yeah, I know there's other installments I have to cover and I will one day. That's why we're here tonight. It's tis the season. I mean, I've been doing a couple of horror As Taylor Swift says, tis the damn season. Oh, I had seen all but four and three uh, until recently. But Dan, we've talked a little bit about this in the past episodes that we've done over the summer is that, you know, we did Final Destination last month and spoke about Scream during that. And I mentioned how I had sort of been watching those in alteration. I, uh, spoiler, did not finish the Final Destination series. I bowed out halfway through the last movie. I'm going to ask you guys a favor. I did not listen to that episode yet because I have not seen anything past the first one. I'm going to watch those. If I finish my Hooptober list, I'm going to finish those too. So if you could, if you would be so kind, if you could not spoil those movies in this episode, I'd be very appreciative. 
No, I don't, I don't think there's any reason to spoil Final Destination in this episode. Really, all I had to say about Scream in that episode is that I find that the Final Destination movies really kind of suffer in a post-Scream world with how concerned they are with the rules. The rules are like the most important thing, like figuring out, okay, what's going on here? What's the the kill order going to be and all of that. And they do it with such earnestness that in a post scream world, it seems almost laughable Uh, was more or less my point. Also, also well illustrated with the saw series that you mentioned, you brought up saw as well. Yeah. Which is even more like final destination in their, you know, traps and, uh, elaborate kills and all Mike, that. I said no spoilers. Now you're spoiling the episode you and Dan did. Now I know you talk about Saw. How am I ever supposed to do this now? <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm just not a good host. I mean, that's all that comes down to. The data would prove otherwise. Well, maybe the recent data, but I mean, that's, you know, that's uh, just piggybacking off of the success of all the other shows that, are, that I do with you guys. I, it's I, you guys. I don't know. I think the correlation is less Brian, more listeners. We'll see how that goes. But Dan, like, what is your history with the Scream movies? You know, you were eight when the first one came out as well, right? So you didn't see that in theaters like I did? I don't remember when I first saw Scream. I'm going to imagine that it was probably around college time when I was really getting heavy into horror. Yeah, I I remember when Scream 4 came out and a bunch of my friends who were uh, about 10 years older than I was were really excited to go see it. I I hadn't really followed the franchise up to that point, so I I know I didn't go see Scream 4 in the theater. But at some point, I know I cl- I got like a four pack of like Scream 1 through 4 and just like watched all of them. But I remember seeing that first one uh, fairly early on. Yeah, I-, I loved it. I thought it was great. For whatever reason, it took me a while to get to the rest of the franchise. I saw 5 in the theater. Uh, had a really great time with that. I've been dragging my feet on 6. Uh, my girlfriend and I both want to watch mm-hmm. it together and it's yeah. just been a little bit tough. We didn't get to see it in the theater and we just haven't found the time to sit down and watch it on, on Paramount. But with October coming, I expect we'll uh, be adding it to our rotation. Yeah, not that this is like uh, 6 time a charm or anything, but I do like how 5 seems to have handed off the series to some new characters and so that was that's kind of nice i like that uh do do you have an answer here so you've seen almost all the scream have you seen all of the saw movies i have seen no i there was a point at which i had and then jigsaw came out and then spiral came out and i've been dragging my feet on Uh, all right well i i was going to ask which has the more complex canon and backstories to it and all that I've seen enough Saw that I think I can say that uh, the Saw franchise is the most convoluted bullshit I've ever seen. May I introduce you to the Fast and the Furious? Uh, well. They're both up there, but um, I mean that in a good way for both franchises. I really enjoy the way that they uh, sort of bend over backwards to make everything fit in completely ridiculous ways. So for me, it, for me, it's a feature, not a bug. I like that answer. Before we get into it, Joey, do you have a favorite Scream movie, just so maybe I could like, I want to ask this for everybody, uh, Brian, you've got the easiest, you've only got two to pick from, but I just want to kind of have a reference to see like which one you guys like the most compared to like this one, more, if, if it might be this one. Not only do I have a favorite, I have all six ranked, because of course I do, because I did that mm-hmm. while I was doing this. So, okay, you want from the top down or bottom up? Bottom up, I think. Mid- middle, middle three. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Number four, at the bottom, number six is this movie. Oh, wow. Okay. But again, okay, I will say, I will also qualify this by saying, I think pound for pound, this is the most consistent and best horror franchise that I've seen. I think even though this is my least favorite of the six, I think it's better than like half of Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween movies. Like it's yeah, just, okay. like it's, it's not bad. It's just, you know, I like the ones more. Number five, I have the second one. Number four, I have Scream 2022, also called Scream 5. Number three, I have Scream 4. Number two, Scream 6. And then number one is the original. So from top down, one, six, four, five, two, three. Wow. Brian, out of the two that you saw, do you have a favorite? One is my favorite, and three is my second favorite. Dan, how about yourself? I also have them ranked. Only the one, the, the five that I've seen. Three is at the bottom. I'm going to sort of echo Joey here. I think that uh, I'll maintain that Scream as a franchise doesn't have any bad movies, but something has to be at the bottom. I, and there are reasons why I think three is the weakest. And then, in no particular order... You can't just say, I have them ranked, and then in no particular order. <laughs> well, this is how it was ranked when I did ranked it, but at the time, I really couldn't really choose. These could be um, moved around in any given day, however I'm feeling, but they are they are ranked loosely. How's that? 
Yes. Okay. Uh, aster- right. Asterisk. It's a loose ranking. Then uh, in the four slot, I got Scream 2, then Scream 5, and then Scream 4. I, I can't decide which of those is better. Well, that's the same. We have the same order. That's the same. You're right. You're correct. Scream, Scream 1 is number one. I'm pretty Wait, close. We all, I'm like... we all have the same order then, even myself, because I put Scream 1 first and Scream 3 last. I think I'm one, four, five, six, three, two. I love the cast of part two. I don't know whatever happened to Joshua Jackson. It would have been great if he wrote that out a little longer. But that cast is like, I'm watching that one. I'm going like, oh my God, like, I can't believe who's popping up in this. There's just something else about the uh, the shift to college in that, that uh, I was like, maybe they should have been in high school an extra year. Oh, one last question before we talk about the movie. Has anyone watched any of the TV show, the three seasons produced by MTV? No, I forgot. It was something we talked about, I think, Mike, very briefly when I was in the middle of my binge. I completely forgot it was a thing until I was like looking up the wiki just about like the franchise. And it's something that I want to see, but I have not seen any of. Same. I didn't know that existed. So I was just looking it up right now. As Taylor Swift would say, I forgot that you existed. I'm going to keep doing that, just so you know. I watched most of the first episode. My issue is like, not only was it a pilot, I shouldn't have started there because it's a pilot episode and there's a lot of rehashing, but it's MTV production and it's just not geared like a film is towards more of a mass audience that this, or like even a fan base, this is very much geared towards like watch it after Teen Wolf, the show. Like it just felt like not for me. I don't know. And they also, they changed the ghost face mask, which leads me to consider it might take place in an alternate reality. Don't worry, I don't think it has anything to do with these particular movies. So I don't really know much about it, having not watched any of it, but it strikes me as having sort of like a CW-ish, like Riverdale camp kind of quality. Is that accurate? Yeah, you're pretty much on the right track. There is a lot of sex. There's a lot of gore. There's no nudity. There's not as much blood but there's a lot of blood in that first episode i think the problem was like trying to serialize it for a show it dragged very much for me oh interesting i was gonna say because i love riverdale and i kind of love that over the top teen sort of campiness quite a bit so i'll give it a shot at some point i'm sure i would like a sort of scream based on the rules of like tv sitcoms you know they have to somehow survive in that kind of universe but there's killing oh there's something like that there's a movie with john ritter called stay tuned where him and his wife get trapped in a television that the devil sells sells to them and he died filming a tv show so that's scary r.i.p john ritter internet conspiracies where this is where they're born (laughs) all right so well let's get into screm 3 from the year 2000 the turn of the millennium and uh audiences were craving more meta context from their horror film this movie is like a movie within a movie within a movie sometimes uh that's why i kind of like it i love movies about the process where you get to see behind the scenes even if it's a fictional wacky environment for them to run amok in and that's all like this movie i'll just briefly give the plot they are filming the new stab film secretly the killer's going back to the first one to mine it for new material that it can use for the for the new installment but basically they're making the new stab movie and people in it are getting picked off one by one starting with cameo cotton weary from the supposed killer from the original film with his leave shriver cameo here the voice of hard knocks Wow, spoiler. So little by little, like people are getting murdered on the set. Gail Weathers is sent to investigate. Dewey comes to investigate. Sydney Prescott comes to investigate. There are secrets revealed about her mother. I like the play on all the doppelgangers, especially Parker Posey playing the Gail Weathers double. There's more cameos like Princess Leia, Jay and Silent Bob. McDreamy's in here, Brian Meatball 3. We got so much to talk about with this cast. It turns out in the end that Sydney's mother used to be sort of this like Roger Corman-esque starlet who's also in this movie, Brian. There's a shot of Roger (laughs) Corman in this film. She was sort of bullied out of Hollywood early, but not before uh, having an illegitimate son, which she kept from Sydney for her entire life, who grew up to become the killer of this movie. And that is the big reveal that it is Sydney's half-brother. That's basically like the summary of this Scream 3. So where should we start? Who who would like to take the reins? Who wants to put on the mask and grab the knife? I think and... we need to start at the beginning. And I think the first mistake this movie makes is killing Cotton in the opening thing because like it doesn't work. Like it doesn't fit the formula that they've established. And not that you have to do that same thing every single time. Like it's not the Drew Barrymore thing. It's not the Omar Epps thing, right? Was he in two? Yeah. 
mm-hmm. it's somebody you know, and I know that they're trying to say like anybody could get killed here, but it's like we don't really give a shit. Like we don't really, we don't like cotton. Like we're not rooting for cotton. Like it doesn't like it, it's it's a weird emotional state to sort of like begin the movie trying to get you invested in. Like it doesn't. I don't think that works. And I think it, from there, it, like you know, there's other stuff. But like that's the first thing. Just like no, it doesn't really work. It felt like they needed to like kill him off because Liam Shriver like wanted out of the series or something like that. But I think he would have been an excellent. It would have been an excellent time for him to actually have been the killer because you know another thing they don't establish well is like how far he's come since the second and first movie and now he's like this kind of Morton Downey Jr. like loudmouth talk show host and stuff. And so it could have been cool if he was doing this for ratings or or fame or whatever kind of notoriety or something. So I agree they kind of like on multiple levels drop the ball a bit uh anyone else have some thoughts brian were you surprised at the lack of teenagers in the start of this movie no and all all around no because i knew that from my research that's why i hadn't covered it yet i was excited um to see where the characters had come and trying to bridge what had sort of happened in part two i'm with you joey like i actually started to like this movie halfway through when i started to care i really didn't care who was dying at the beginning i enjoyed this movie more at the i mean i guess it's a good thing right more at the end than i thought i was going to yeah in that first hour i agree with that like i feel like it gets better keeps getting better yeah i read that this film was like a real rush job the crazy thing is how quickly like they turned scream 2 around really fast and then they do this one again almost as quickly and it's it's really remarkable how quickly they put out three movies it almost kind of feels like they maybe not run out of ideas but like they needed to take some time away i think that's why scream 4 works so well yes kind of waiting for a window to talk about this because they're like the big reason i don't love scream 3 as much as i like the others is that it for me it feels like they ran out of things to say about horror films. They had killed Randy off in in part 2 and so he doesn't even come back into this one until halfway through and it does feel like he's sort of shoehorned in because they need they need a Randy. Mm-hmm. And it felt really weird to have him record this video explaining <laughs> trilogy rules, you know. Uh. Compared to the others, it doesn't have anything to say about horror movies. Um, it barely has anything to say about trilogies and is mostly played straight as a slasher film about Sydney and her mom and the, the survivors of the first two films. And not only that, but it, when it does get kind of screamy, it kind of almost gets a little too close to like scary movie territory. And it doesn't help that Dion Richmond is in this movie. And I know he didn't make uh, Not Another Teen Movie until the following year, but watching that now, it doesn't matter. All I think is his character from that movie kind of lampooning teen movies. Yeah. Yeah. I think this one is just spinning its wheels a little bit. And it's why Scream 4 and 5 are so much stronger, in my opinion. They allowed time in between to let horror movies evolve so that they could have something to comment. Definitely gets it becomes more Scooby-Doo. I mean, freaking Jay and Silent Bob walk through the middle of the <laughs> right? You know, it takes place on the on the lot, right? It takes place on the Miramax lot, no less. And so, and it's also about like a creepy producer played by Lance Hendrickson. And so like, I feel like it's critiquing the industry more than the movies themselves, which they missed a golden opportunity to use critiques from like the 60s and 70s and, and even like the 50s and like those kinds of movies that they're making way back when like Sydney's mother would have been in them being like, oh, these are like older tropes we can play with there. Even though I love it being about making a movie, I feel like that was also a mistake. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like organic for these characters to be there. It, I like how it becomes kind of Kafka-esque for Sydney, where she's like on a set of her house and it's kind of like more of a dream or a nightmare and stuff. But like, I don't know, something about it being like about making one of these movies kind of throws it off for me as much as I do like movies about making movies. I just feel like they may have found more to talk about if they weren't doing that. They were too inspired by the events that happened with uh, Scream 2. Because if you if you guys don't know, Brian, the ending to Scream 2 was leaked. Like, mm. great pains were taken to keep the ending of this one a secret. And so that's why it kind of is the way it is, where it could literally be any of these characters. And I feel like they shot multiple endings. I could be wrong about that. And it was all just so, if this, le- if this script leaks also, we can, you know, use a different ending. And so, I don't know, it feels messier than the first two installments yeah it's again again another contributor to why it's it ranks last there's also the the retrospect where it's all about not all about but it's a one of the major plot points is about like sleeping with producers and all this different stuff and the fact that it's a weinstein movie is like a very kind of in retrospect is an 
issue, even that was an issue, but you know, like Carrie Fisher being like, oh, I only didn't get the job because I slept with the other one slept with George Lucas, right? Like it's it's a funny joke. And then you're like, oh, but he did that. But not George Lucas. I mean, you know, but like it's more of a critique of the industry, even at the time, like they they this movie is saying that uh, probably about you know, it's on the Miramax lot. It's shot there. There's no way I'm sure Weinstein watched this laughing and everyone else was like, he doesn't get where kind of like using him as the villain or as least like the over overall context is like creepy Hollywood, you know, is not a good thing. That's what I, that's what I took it as more or less. But, you know, at the time, I'm sure people in the know were probably like, oh, this is about him. Well, because that's the whole like the Rose McGowan thing, like in Scream 1, she's so good, but that she had a miserable experience on set there. And I don't think it was explicitly because of Harvey Weinstein, but like it definitely didn't help. Like it was that was definitely a contributing factor. Yeah. Like this has been a known thing, even within this franchise, going back to the going back to the very start. Yeah, it's not like Harvey Weinstein invented this either. You know, this is like an open secret of Hollywood. It's honestly, I think this movie actually has some good bones here. I think there are awesome Brian, places. stop talking about the casting couch. <laughs> I think there are awesome places that it can explore. But, you know, I'm rereading some of the production notes I took. It was apparently just such a rush job. Like, they, they decided to make it. They really wanted to get it out. None of the actors were available uh, Nev Campbell, I'm trying to see exactly what she said, but it was something like, I got three weeks, let's do this. Um, Courtney Cox was between between Friends seasons, went out a lot of time, so it had to be in a limited place. Like, I mean, a lot of horror films are. Yeah, yeah, but it just feels like they used the actual set from the first movie, which they probably did, you know? They're like, let's cut caught. Like, that's what I feel. think what it feels like by, like, not organic to me is that they're forced into this environment of, like, oh, whether or not you like it, it's going to be about them on the movie set. And I just was like, well, it just feels, like, very out of their depths. Like, I wish they tugged more on, I mean, maybe we see it more now with the true crime revolution or whatever, but I wish they tugged more on that idea of how perverted it can seem, right, to take real life tragedy and, and make film of it. And like, what do the real victims think? What was the... um? Well, they kind of get into that in Scream 2, if memory serves, you know, so... I don't... Yeah, I feel like in the newer ones, too, they touch upon that. Yeah. But like not really here when they're actually in the sets of, I mean, we see it and it's a cool image, but like, it's not really what the film was about. Well, yeah, I think that's what Dan was kind of like saying before, right? Is that like, they're not turning over horror tropes in this one, like, or as much as I would like, you know, trilogy tropes and things like that. Like there's, you know, there's way more to to do or say than all bets are off because it's a trilogy, you know, maybe it's (laughs) because we live in this era now of these very long series of films that we have you know they go you know seven ten movies 12 whatever it might have been easier to say back in the day before uh franchises were you know so prevalent and everywhere and all that kind of stuff and i i just wish like for my on my behalf like for the show's sake there were more things to draw upon that to say this is definitively what makes a part three but they're kind of the thing about it is is there kind of isn't not that all bets are off but like mostly you go back to the first one and you try and find something very minor to elaborate on uh or the first two to connect together somehow and reveal in a third one or something or you shift in a completely new direction maybe a better thing to do was introduce a whole new group of characters from Woodsboro. But like, I think what works about the franchise is that it sticks with the same people. Like, even when you're introducing a new group, like in Scream 5 and 6, like with the Jenna Ortega character, like that whole circle, the legacy characters are still there. And I think that's something that really makes this stand apart. And I wouldn't want this to fresh reset. As we find out in this movie, for better or worse, like the Woodsboro stuff is explicitly because of like the characters in here. And so just to have like a killer not target family members or like how, you know what I mean? Like, even if that gets hacky the fact that like it's not just a guy terrorizing a town it's like people going after this one person for specific reasons they successfully did that like light spoilers with like the fourth one you know like they managed to sort of reroute it in high school but also include all the legacy characters to a degree you know and i think that worked out really well and i know they couldn't have done that next because that has a very specific kind of commentary part of the issue is that they were coming out so quickly and you know maybe what it was trying to say with this movie is like it was commenting on itself where it's like oh now these these stab movies quote unquote are such a big part of sort of like the horror scene it's like taken over our lives and now we're actually in the making of one of these movies and the killer is after us 
I will say something that I love about this movie is I think Parker Posey is one of the absolute best characters in any of these screen movies. She is so goddamn funny. She's so good in this movie. Her with Gale, without Gale, whatever, her leaping into the arms of Putty. I can't remember his name, his <laughs> actor's name, but like it's wonderful. I wish she survived. I wish she could have made it to other movies. But the fact that we got her at all in this movie and being as funny as she is unbelievable parker posey forever yeah parker posey immediately makes anything she's in uh way better i i echo everything joey just said yeah i don't usually you don't usually see her in kind of this size you know big budget kind of mainstream movie like i can't i mean she was in blade uh i think it was blade three actually right you know she did from time to time but uh you know i definitely mostly know her from like all the indie stuff and the christopher guest stuff so like she's in full-on like christopher guest mode i feel in this movie where she probably like came up with half of this shit on her own i am dying to get brian's input on what patrick dempsey is doing here (laughs) because he's got golden headphones on your show for sure i bet right like this guy pops up a lot or at least has popped up a lot during the teen scene Mostly when you're there. Are you a McDreamy stan? I'm not. I know more from Can't Buy Me Love and Meatballs 3. Yes, of course. I thought, I mean, he was an interesting character. I think we're supposed to suspect that he potentially could be the killer, right? Mm -hmm. He's really over the top at times, but I kind of had fun with it. And then certain times he mails it into. Honestly, he's one of these people here who I was like, okay, rush job. Is this Grey's Anatomy era or is it before? No, this was was before Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. A couple years, actually, yeah. This is the last year of Party of Five, so, like, it's the sort of... Gotcha, gotcha. Because I think it was Scream 2, where she was, like, filming Party of Five and Scream 2 on the same day. Like, she would do one, fly to the other one. It just seems insane. Yeah, it's like the Michael J. Fox Back to the Future schedule. He kind of felt like he was in TV mode, not not movie mode. That's a good way to put it. That's a really good way to put it. Did you think... I really want to ask, not to flip it, but I really want to ask you guys this question. Do you think that Stab, do you think Stab 3 was cast well? I mean, great Gale, great Gale. Is it a better Gale? Do you want to know trivia about McDreamy in this movie? Just please. Or just in general, please. It's kind of like, it's very briefly mentioned, but his character marries Sidney Prescott. He never comes back, but they get married off screen. Yeah, he's mentioned a couple times, yeah. I think it's really well cast, except for Emily Mortimer. I love Emily Mortimer, but like, that is not Sidney. Yes. Thank you. Is that Angelina? Yes. yes. Yeah. The she talent is supposed to be, winner. which I did not realize till today. I did not know till today, but I looked up on Wiki. I was doing a little bit of a little bit of digging. She was originally in the original version of the script. Uh, was supposed to be a killer with the director, and then the oh. studio was like, "No, don't do that." This is. I won't spoil future movies, but this is the first of the three in the franchise where there's only one killer. Yeah, and I don't know if I like that. I feel like that's very, if anything, that's very non-scream. The thing to do would be to pump it up and do three killers. Although, with the way that Randy describes it, like, it reveals something that wasn't known before, whatever, which this kind of does. Like, there is something meta about pulling the... Because the fact that there were two in the first one was like, holy shit, like, there's two killers? Like, that's unbelievable. And then the second movie does it again, you're like, well, I guess I can do it again. And then here, to you're expecting two, and so for there to only be one is kind of the reversal. I don't like his, his reasoning, his backstory, but I, I don't mind that there's one even though i do think it's kind of weird that there's just one yeah i mean they could have been twins that would have been even funnier <laughs> it was like the bridger twins that sydney just like wait i have a brother and a sister this is too much to process love twins twins are creepy and twins yeah twins were very 90s joey thanks for the reference i can't remember which character she's supposed to be playing but i do really like jenny mccarthy in this i think she's pretty funny with the scene she has to work with wait because i'm confused about the movie they're making because they're making stab three but these aren't based on any kind of events right like this is a this is like a no it is but how? Because they already made Stab 1 based on the... Well, yeah, Stab, Stab 1, which is made in Scream 2, is based on Scream 1. Okay, so what is Stab 2 based off We of? don't know Stab 2. Right. So theoretically, it's based off of her experiences in Scream 2. Well, that's also what doesn't make any sense to me. Like, and I, I don't know if I just missed it or if there's like a leap in logic, but like Cotton Weary, the person, is killed... And then the actor playing a different real person is killed. Like, you can't kill people and then actors playing people because they're like, they're killing them in the order of the screenplay. It's like, well, no, they're not because like Cotton's not in the movie. Somebody would be playing Cotton. Well, he's doing a cameo as another, right. as himself, right? Cotton well, is in the movie. As himself? 
Yeah. That's what he's on the phone complaining about the okay. size of his role. Now, what would have been fucking awesome is if they find Liev Shriver dead at one point in the movie. Was <laughs> yeah. the actor or the character? The actor. The guy, and it's like, wait a second. He looks just like Cotton Weary. And then it's like Courtney Cox found dead. And it's like, she looks like Gail Weathers. Like, what the fuck is this movie doing now? I was going to ask you about this because I do not remember what franchise it's in. I'm sure you guys will know. But I know on either my podcast or your podcast, Mike, we discussed a film in a franchise with the director in it. And it's a people start killing. Like, it's sort of like this. Like, it, the cast gets together and then the killers actually ends up being real. Is it a Freddy one? Is it a... It's in a franchise. It's actually in one of the main franchises, but it's like super meta because like we get the director and he's talking about casting them and then they all end up... Are you talking about New Nightmare? Maybe. Yes, I think I am talking West about... Wes Craven's it. New Nightmare. There's also yeah. Wes Craven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. oh, duh. Because, it, yeah, it's Wes Craven. And it's like, I didn't watch that one, but like I saw a lot of clips from it because we talked about that. Yeah, I've only seen that once. I have to. I might rewatch that for Hooptober instead of Deadly Friend, which I've seen a lot. Meet me. Craven loves the meta. Am I right? Yeah. Oh, oh. Can I give a sh- another cast shout out? Because this guy gets overlooked, and he was already mentioned uh, by you, Dan. But that is Dion Richmond. Yeah. Because I just talked about Dion Richmond on my podcast in a little film called Trippin'. So check that out in High School Slumber Party. Had to plug that. But he's also. Which I think is funny. After this, he plays the token black guy in Not Another Teen Movie. He's clearly that here, and he's almost echoing the same thing here. And I was like, it's like the same character. Yes. It's really fun. It is not his fault, and it is not Scream 3's fault that this movie came out the year before. But I can't I can't see him in this movie and not think about him in Not Another Teen Movie. It's really unfortunate. But, and he's playing the Jamie Kennedy... He's playing a composite, the way he... Uh, <laughs> The way he describes it. <laughs> uh, well, I still like that concept. Again, I don't know what movie they're making. I don't know what movie they're making. It's like, the, I wish I had like a fake script or they went over some of the plot beats, but it seems like they're back in Woodsboro doing stuff. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wish that instead of having the videotape of Jamie Kennedy going over the rules for a trilogy, that they had had Dion Richmond's character, Tyson, kind of be that character based on what he knows of the script for Stab 3. Oh. That'd have been smart. He can still die, but let him be that character. But the other fun thing to do would have been like if they actually like got the script and were able to kind of decipher who was going to die next, or, or at least like there were some clues in the script since it was written by the killer. You know, maybe he like left some clues in there or something, and like that could have been a fun exercise for him. That might get too close to Final Destination territory. The key thing to do is to like use Randy's sister, who's only here for like a split second to drop off the tape. You don't have to use that. I don't especially like that actor and the performance given per se, but like it's a good idea for a character. The idea that Randy had a sister. I like, you know, a little bit of spoilers for five and six, but Randy had some nieces and nephews too that grew up to be just as fucking annoying as he was, you know, about movies and shit. It could have been cool if like his sister was just as hardcore about film or something. I did a little quick deep dive of the stab franchise. Can I share? Oh yeah, please. So Stab 2, that's the, you're right, that's the least we know about. But it, I forgot, it is mentioned in this that David Schwimmer's the Dewey in that. Oh, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, Schwimmer. <laughs> and he refused to come back. And Tori Spelling is the Sydney that's in right. that one as well. They both refused to come back. But get this. So there are two versions of Stab 3. The Stab 3 return to Woodsboro that we see filming evidently I mean I guess it makes sense in that world gets canceled so it's never truly made but you know out of respect and everything the stab three that ends up surviving in the stab franchise is this movie stab three Hollywood horror and it's based on the events of this movie so they catch themselves up (laughs) that's an even bigger like Russian nesting doll though I don't know it's hilarious I'm reading about it now I don't know how or why, but Elizabeth Banks is listed in the cast as the Parker Posey. They kind of look similar. I mean, in Scream 4, you see other stab movies. Yeah. So maybe that's why. Because, like, in in that world, they never stopped making stab movies, even though in our world, they hadn't made a Scream movie in, like, a decade. Yeah, they get up to, like, seven or something like that. Or eight or something. Yeah, I forget how many there are. And, like, part of the plot of that is that a bunch of high schoolers get together for a stab film festival. Like it's a, it's like an AV club at high school. 
makes sense. Well, that's probably where they mined all this from. I'm reading about it now. Right. And okay, so one thing I do remember from Scream 4 at the Stabathon, isn't Stab directed by Robert Rodriguez? Yes. Yeah. This one, this one, Stab 3. No. Oh, okay. Was the top. 2006 reboot directed by Robert Rodriguez when they, you yeah. know, they, and it is based upon Gail Weathers' bestseller, Hollywood Horror. All right, so they're all basically based on Gail books. <laughs> she keeps saying she's not going to write one, and she keeps writing one. So it's just very funny to me that like the the movie and the movies within the movies are like kept caught up to themselves with this movie. As this movie's being made in the movie, it gets canceled because of all the murders, and then they end up making a movie about the making of this movie. Robert Rodriguez would go on to direct Stab 4, FYI. <laughs> but not Stab 5. Max Feinberg. I don't think that's a real person. Directed Stab Five. I'm trying to think if there was like any big standout moments that I really enjoy. I really like Patrick Warburton. See, I think I like the people and characters populating this movie. I'm just have like kind of a problem with like where they are. I feel like this movie subplot soap opera thing is getting in the way a little bit more than they wanted to. Like it's like the characters now know that they're in a movie is how it feels. And I think that's one step too far. Yeah, I agree. It either it either is too serious or like I said at times it almost veers into like parody territory. It's not consistent. I still enjoy this movie, but I think it's because I enjoy these characters. Like I like I like spending time with Dewey and Sydney. I love all the ghost face kills. It's just that this one doesn't do much more for me than, than that kind of stuff. Uh, the cameos in this are like just out the wazoo, and I think those are a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. That's some of my favorite stuff, too, is like just seeing like Roger Corman pop up for a minute. Yeah, I, I'm, I am like perpetually that Leonardo DiCaprio meme through this movie. Like, oh, there's Jay and Silent Bob, or those Carrie Fisher. But, but that amount of entertainment is only sustainable for so long, I think. I mean, this is kind of off topic, but it just I just reminded of this. The Scream mask, the ghost face mask, I heard is that based on the painting? Yes. Which is kind of even cooler because the movie's also called Scream, you know? So it's like, is it the movie based on the painting? Well, the movie was originally going to be called Scary Movie, and they changed it. So it became Scream, and then Scary Movie became Scary Movie. But they originally wanted to call the original Scream Scary Movie. Are you implying that Munch painted it for the movie? No, no, no. That like like they adapt books that Wes Craven adapted the painting. <laughs> Ooh, new new podcast. Let's do it. Who's in painting adaptations? Right. We could do like the the girl with the pearl earring. <laughs> Washington crossing the Delaware. Didn't they make a movie out of that shit? I'm sure at some point, maybe, you know, and yeah, this this whole franchise. I, I've seen the original in Oslo, Norway. I remember being very tired that day. Riveting. Good story. Right? I have some thoughts on where I feel I would like the franchise to go, but like, uh, does anybody else have any other moments in the movies they loved or hated enough to need to mention before we get the heck out of here? I think them, like, I, I don't know how overall I feel about them, like the meta make, being a movie in the movie, but there's something very cool and weird about, and they, they rehash it in other screen movies in the franchise, but like her being in a set of her house, I think is very cool. Yeah. I think that works really well. I, I 100% agree with that. That was I just was reading my notes. That was my favorite moment because I liked when – I wish they did it more when she would open a door that you would assume would lead to something else and she would almost fall off a set, right? I wish it was more M.C. Escher. Not to bring up art again, but more M.C. Escher-esque. Yeah, yeah. And it leads to nowhere. And, you know. So thank you, Brian, for reminding me. Connection I needed to mention with this movie and none other than Elvis Presley's Tickle Me. Joey, if you remember at the end of Tickle Me and if you've – listen to our show you all know this too because you've watched the movie and, and listened to the podcast but at the end of that movie elvis and his girl and his sidekick are sort of in this old west town looking for her great grandfather's gold and they're being chased around by people wearing halloween masks so they look like monsters mm -hmm. and elvis runs down a hallway and opens a door at one point and it goes literally like to nowhere it's on like the second floor and it goes to the outside and he opens the door and someone like falls out the door presumably breaking like half the bones in their body. And he does this like two or three times to the bad guys chasing him. It's amazing. It's very good. It's done in this movie. It's a stunt in this movie. It is. Sydney is running down the hallway of her fake house. She opens the door and like realizes it's a false exit and like uses it against Ghostface and he goes out the fake door and falls down. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I love that. I was like, tickle me. That tickled me. <laughs> 
Uh, two more things on my list, really. So when they're shouting out trilogies, we get a Godfather shout out. Mm-hmm. Like, so we need to pre-coda, pre-coda. Acknowledge that pre-coda, yeah. And then uh, the replication of the Creed poster. Yes. What? Very much enjoyed that. There's a Creed poster, you know, your favorite band Creed. <laughs> I missed that. There's, al- there's also a, a Creed needle drop in the first uh, sequence of this movie, which also incredible. <laughs> I didn't realize that. And there's a Fuel song in this movie, which I had forgotten wow. about. Wow. Is Live also in this what? movie? <laughs> no, but Red Right Hand is, which is in almost every Scream movie. Is this soundtrack on vinyl? I don't know. Do I need to purchase it? Probably not. Hashtag There's got to be a Mondo box set of all six vinyls. Come on, by now, right? Third time's a charm. Fanatics out there. Monsters that made us fanatics out there. I am currently looking personally for a sponsor to give me more vinyl. So if you would like to buy me the Mondo box set of all Scream films... Please hit me up at hashtag dad registry. To just record companies in general, if you're listening, send me send me free music. <laughs> if you'd like me to review it, I'll I'll do it. Sure. Oh right, there's that music. too. You have to actually review it. Well, yeah, I could take care of that. Oh man, so there's no there's no vinyl edition of the Screen Three soundtrack, but I did stumble upon a five star review of the soundtrack on CD. Please read. Uh, In my opinion, one of the best soundtracks that I ever listened to in all my life. With songs from Slipknot, Creed, Power Man 5000, System of a Down, Dope, and other greatest metal bands. There is so much power in this OST that creates in my mind the best scenes of this third film. The best soundtrack, the best series of films, the best director, and best actors. I love it. Five stars. Yours truly, Dan Colon. The band Dope has a song in another movie that's near and dear to my heart. Fast and Furious. Do you know which scene? The one where they come, when he brings Vince home to his house, possibly? No. It's the scene where they take down Johnny Tran, they go and they bring him oh, to his... his oh, yeah, that's, that's, a great song. Scene. that's a great scene. It's a great song. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to that song outside of the context of the Fast and Furious, but, like, in that scene, masterpiece. I haven't done this for a while, but one place I would really like to see this franchise go someday is... Definitely space. <laughs> Do Woodsboro, but make it space. Spaceboro. You know, I don't know. We have to wait until we're living on Mars, perhaps. But, like, it would be fun if that happened at some point. Just because, you know, that's when, you know, you don't jump the shark anymore with horror franchises. Like, you leave the planet. Not just horror. Yeah, true. So Jason did it in 10, right? Jason X. Mm-hmm. Fast and Furious did it in 9. So this could do it maybe in 8. Freddy never left Earth, you know? Like, that, that is unbelievable. We don't dream in space. No, but they sent Freddy to hell, right? Like, the, he went the other way. He went down, not up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pinhead did it in four. Too soon. And Leprechaun. Leprechaun also did it in Leprechaun, four. Leprechaun, yeah. Google did he go to space or the hood first? Space. Yeah. That's crazy. Bond. Bond, right? Went to space. Yeah, Moonraker. Yep. Yeah. That was in, like, I, 10 or 12, right? That, that took a while. Ice Age Collision Course. I'm looking at a listicle. <laughs> Are you looking at a list of movies that go to space? Star Wars, the very first one they made. No, it. That's not the list I'm looking at. Movies in space. Franchises uh, that got there. All right. Airbud, Air Bud, Space Buddies. Awesome. Okay, well, I feel like we're, we should wrap this up since we're talking about the Airbud franchise. We should save that <laughs> for Airbud 3. Critters 4. But before, oh, Critters is, yeah, well, Critters, they're from space. So, I mean, but they go back to space. That's cool. I never made it past 3, which stars none other than famous meme pointer Leonardo DiCaprio. The aforementioned. Well, I guess it's time to wrap it up unless anyone has any final words. You know, if anyone wants to tell me their favorite scary movie, anything like that, you know. What is my favorite scary movie? Brian, you're not into scary movies so much. I remember introducing you to lots when this show started, getting you on here as the unofficial CH. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I'm not anti- You should have a favorite by now. You've been exposed to a fair amount by this point. I really have to think of them. I kind of, you know, there's some modern ones I've really liked. You know which one I like? Like, that was really fun. Was it Dream Warriors? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, that one was fun. Like, I'd watch that again. I, I really like one you introduced me to, Joey. Dear Fan, or The Fan, that German yeah, one. that rules. I, I really enjoyed it. Did you watch that, that here? You wa- we, did we watch that here? No, I made you watch it in Alex Schroeder. Okay, yeah. No, you had it on in the background at one of your many soirees, mm. I believe. And then I fully front-to-back watched it. But we talked about it on your show, right? And I think Alex watched yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, we talked about it on the show, and yeah, I really like that one too. I got to go back. That movie's fucked up. I remember one night we watched Pieces and a couple other horror movies. Oh, uh, Pieces oh, yeah. is great. You're talking about here, Mike? Yeah, yeah, your spot. We watched Pieces. We watched Demons. Oh, yeah, Demons. Demones. Demons rules. It's, it's not one. one that we watched here, but Possession. Yeah, that's on. Uh, oh, right. Thanks for reminding me. I haven't seen that. Wait, have you, you haven't seen Possession? It's on my list, right? Look at this. I wrote it. Possession is Isabel Ajani. Phenomena rules because it uses Iron Maiden songs as as like score, which is cool. But Possession is unbelievable. My favorite scary movie is The Evil Dead, the original OG. There are no rules to The Evil Dead. They try to tell you this is how you kill the, the deadites. And then in the next movie, those rules go out the window. So when it comes to actually movies that scare me, I was just telling my boss yesterday, he goes, what movie really creeps you the fuck out? And I was like, you know what movie still scares the shit out of me and I love it and it's great is Mulholland Drive. Mm. Maybe the scariest movie still. It's hard. Maybe it's hard to scare me. I don't know. But that movie gives me the fucking creeps. Well, I will tell you, Possession will make you squirm, I think. if you Have you seen Mother, Aronofsky's Mother? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That made me I squirm. Like yeah. Uh, Climax makes me squirm. The Gaspar Noe movie. Have you seen that? It's a good one. What about I have not seen Climax yet. I saw Enter the Void. This is like a literal list of like nightmare movies. Didn't you say Caligula made you squirm? Isn't that different kind of squirm? Oh, okay. Sorry. Go check out TooFastTooPrepper.com for that. <laughs> I still I still maintain The Exorcist might be the scariest movie I've ever seen. Dude, you know what's scary as hell we still have to do is uh, on this show anyways, Exorcist 3. Yep. The best jump scare, maybe? Such a great shot. But all right, let's... Let's let's wrap it up officially the way we uh, always do. We can't get out of here without plugging things because there's holes everywhere that need to be plugged before we can leave. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to spin a wheel. All right. It's got three names on it. It's going around right now like uh, Price is Right. All right, Dan, it landed on you. You're, you're first to plug tonight. Awesome. As uh, a lot of our listeners, a lot of your listeners probably know at this point, you and I do a show called The Monsters That Made Us. And by the time this releases, we will have announced that The Monsters That Made Us is returning at the end of October. Specifically, October 27th. Uh, as always, it's the last Friday of the month. And we will be coming back with the next wave of universal monsters, uh, starting with 1979's Dracula, starring Frank Langella. So that's exciting. Also, I do another show on the network called um, The Podcast Around the Corner. It's a Nora Ephron podcast. I do that with my co-host, Shawnee Mead. She and I, I think by the time this releases, we'll have released our episode on Michael. Uh, but don't quote me on that. Just keep an eye on the feed. Uh, check cageclub.me for that. And um, you can find me on X, also known as Twitter, uh, at Dan Cologne and Letterboxd at Dan Cologne. Wait, Michael's the one where John Travolta is an angel? That's correct. Spoiler alert. Sorry. What's yes. the spoiler? That's the that's the poster. <laughs> that's the plot. I don't know if he's actually an angel. It could be like K-Pax. Spoiler alert. What do you mean? He's know. an alien. He bends the light and rides it. What are you talking about? <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, next up, Brian, Late Night Rodriguez. Uh, You got a lot of stuff going on in real life, but what's happening in your computer life? Nothing scarier than potential childhood, Mike. Rearing a child. They they ought to make make a horror movie about that. They ought ought to do one or two about that. Wait, (laughs) hang on. Did I miss an update? Are you expecting, Brian? Me personally? No, yes. uh, We are expecting me and my wife any day now. So, Congratulations. I don't think I was aware of that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, when I change all my Instagram and X handles to like dad this and dad that, you'll know. <laughs> Mets dad film buff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we are very excited. Me and my wife are very excited for the horror potential horror monster that's coming likely this October. Yeah, I would think it's cool if your child is born on Halloween, but you know. I'm just yeah, saying, I mean, you said October, so that I mean, that'd be cool. Or Friday the 13th. There's a Friday the 13th this ooh, October. Ooh, let's push for that. Let me tell my wife. But that'd be really cool. <laughs> I love how I'm not a big horror person, but but I would have a kid born on Friday the 13th who presumably would be obsessed with horror. That'd be very cool. Um, <laughs> but speaking of horror on my other show, which all you guys have been on plenty, High School Slumber Party, we've covered a lot of horror films there. And most of them, you're right, were first-time watches for me. I'm just trying to look at a list quickly. Slumber Party Massacre. I'm not going to mention all of them here. What else? Prom uh, Night. Prom Night. Christine. The Faculty. I love The Faculty. That's another one that I could watch. Did you watch The Blob? The Blob. The oh, Blob. We've seen both, both blobs. blobs. Both Blobs, yeah. Don't forget about Slaughter High, Brian. 
Slaughter High, Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street. How about one of my favorites? Of course, The Lost Boys. You were on that one, Dan. Uh, that's Surprisingly, right. Mike, you were not. Yeah, we'll have to do our own uh, episode of that when we pick up on the Corys. <laughs> no, but that's a legendary episode. It was the most popular episode of that year for you, Brian, I th- if I'm I not think mistaken. It was, and, honestly. And, <laughs> and that, that episode was the genesis of my relationship with Shawnee, and now we have our podcast. So There you go. I owe a lot to that episode. It's it's almost a backdoor pilot, you know. Like my appearance on that show uh, prepared me for the Nora Ephron podcast. <laughs> it's true. All, of course, Mike, you and I host a fun little project called Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. Don't tell Joey, but we've been sneaking into the cellar of the Cage Club Podcast Network and swinging a little wine while I have it. <laughs> <laughs> And talking the films of Francis Ford Coppola. So that's fun. Check that out as well. And, you know, who knows what fatherhood would bring me. Maybe I'll do dad movies coming up. Uh-huh. Or just not podcast altogether because you're going to go nuts <laughs> because you're going to have a human being to help take care of. <laughs> the only reason I'm having a child is so that I can leave High School Slumber Party to someone. It's so for that- the content. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, for the content, but also so I can retire. So when she becomes a teenager, I'm going to hand off the reins and we're going to get the wife's not on board, but I am. To be honest with you, I, I, you know, probably should conceive an editor. That would be more uh, helpful for me, you know, get more episodes out. But thank you for having me on, Mike. Those are my plugs. Joey, you want to plug anything? Every Tuesday, Too Fast, Too Forever. This month, Halloween is on a Tuesday, and so we are doing a spooky bonus. Not a bonus, but like our episode that day is a horror movie starring a young Paul Walker, so keep an eye out for that. And then every other Thursday, we are doing How to Win the Lottery. In October, we will be in the middle of our Delaware module and about to announce our next season, which is going to be very cool and one that I think, Mike, that you will enjoy. So check out How to Win the Lottery every other other Thursday, it's a book club podcast, and then Too Fast, Too Forever every Tuesday, it's Fast and Furious and other related movies. Very nice. Well, thank you all for joining me again. I cannot thank you enough. This has been one of my biggest shows in a while. So many guests, but all worth it for Halloween and Scream 3. And, you know, that's about it. So until next time, thank you for listening. The magic number. Three. Three may stub at me, and that's the magic number. What does it all mean?